Amen. Well, it's, a, it's good to see you this morning, and we're, uh, we're delighted that you're here. If you're visiting, we're honored to have you visiting with us today. And uh, a lot of folks that uh, we're praying for, but uh, some that are traveling. And uh, I want to mention, uh, pray for uh, Brad and, and uh, Parker and Jordan and Carson. They'll be traveling back this evening. Uh, and then remember, uh, Taylor uh, Estep is there uh, getting close to having their seventh child, so pray for them. Uh, and I want to say thank you. Uh, this has uh, been Pastor Appreciation Month, and uh, last week the uh, kids and the youth uh, gave us uh, all kinds of cards, and there were some wonderful, wonderful notes, uh, one particular from a little girl that said, thank you, Pastor, for what you do and for your beautiful wife. And uh, my wife absolutely loved that card. And, uh, but what a blessing. Uh, and the teens and, the, and the, the kids, they gave me uh, gift cards to Bass Pro Shop. And so they know their pastor well. And, and throughout this week, I've had uh, cards. Uh, some Bibles were given uh, to the Gideons in our name. And we appreciate that. So I just want to say thank you. You guys have been such a blessing. Uh, we've been blessed, really, uh, in the churches that I pastored always to uh, be cared for. But I don't know that we've been cared for any better. And I just want to tell you thank you uh, for that. We really, really appreciate that and uh, count it a joy. We're in Proverbs chapter number 14 this morning. You may be wondering, this isn't 4th of July and this isn't Veterans Day and this isn't Memorial Day. Why are we playing uh, something patriotic this morning? And I want us to look in Proverbs chapter number 14. I don't know if you realize this or not, but the election is just a little over two weeks away. It's hard to believe that we're about to have a major election again where we'll be voting on president and we'll be voting on a number of other uh, positions. And uh, it's just around the corner. And whether you realize it or not, whether you want to admit it or not, we're really voting for one of two choices in this election. We really are this morning. And I want to kind of look at that. Um, if you were coming today hoping to get out of the, the, the world of politics for a few moments, I apologize. But uh, I'll be honest, I felt like as important as I believe this election is, I asked the Lord, God, give me wisdom and help me to know what to say as we lead up to this. And I thought about maybe next week, the Sunday before the election. But probably many of you will already have early voted as uh, uh, I know uh, many of you thought maybe you could beat the lines and they're already got crazy lines forming. Uh, but, uh, but as we're getting prepared for this, and I really prayed and I believe God laid it on my heart to preach this message this morning. And Lord willing, I'm going to preach something totally non-political next week, but I think it will be a very big help. And uh, we're always sensitive to what the Lord leads us to do. But I want us to look here in Proverbs 14. A very familiar verse of Scripture, the Bible says in verse 34, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. I want to ask the question this morning, what America are you hoping for? What America are you hoping for? Father, I pray that you'd fill us with your power. God, speak to our hearts, Lord. I know that it may not uh, be uh, always popular, and people may not always think that the church house is where we ought to get a political message. But, Lord, I really believe that part of the problem with our society is that preachers far too long have been silent about what thus saith the Lord says concerning our government and our nation. And so, Father, I pray that you'd fill us with your power, Lord. This is not a message to try to, to stir people one way or the other, but, Lord, rather it's a message to remind folks of our obedience to you. And, Lord, that we would follow you and your word. Fill us with your power. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 
And she began to look at this upcoming election and people were saying the most important election maybe of our lifetime. I would say that there really are two choices. There are two sides. And, and I understand on both sides there are variances uh, of where people may stand. But as a whole there's really two sides. When it comes to the sources of human rights, one says government, the other says creator. When it comes to economic goals, one says equality, the other says prosperity. When it comes to sanctity of life, one says kill a baby at birth, the the other says that uh, uh, life should be protected at conception. Uh, when it comes to the primary role of the state, one says increase and protect equality. The other says increase and protect liberty. When it comes to government, one says as large as possible. The other says as small as possible. When it comes to the family ideal, the, one says any loving unit of people. The other says a husband and a wife and children. When it comes to the ideal, ideal uh, primary identity of America, one says world citizens. The other says American citizens. When it comes to how to make a good society. One says abolish inequality. The other says develop each citizen's moral character. When it comes to gender, one side says a social construct. The other says a male and a female. When it comes to national borders, one says it's a relic of the past. The other says it's indispensable for our national survival. When it comes to God, one says we'll remove him from our platform. The other says that we believe he should be celebrated as creator. The question this morning is, is which America are you hoping for? What are you hoping comes in this election? Somebody said it well, that our our, the, the way we vote, our elections bear consequences. And the reality is this morning, listen, when we wake up, uh, uh, whenever they decide, it may not be election night, whenever they decide who the next president is and who all won, when we wake up, the reality is that God will still be on the throne and that we can trust him. But here is another reality. Listen, you reap what you sow, you reap what you ask for. God gives us sometimes the things that we tell him we want. And as a nation, far too long, we've been saying, God, we don't need you. And I am afraid that God may give us what we want. And somebody says, you never really know how blessed you were and how much you had until it's too late and it's all gone. And I'm afraid we may wake up one day to recognize, listen, that we've got what we've asked for as a nation. Most of us place a high volume or a high value on personal messages from emails. Uh, uh, so often we see these form emails and these mass mailings, they've become the norm of the day. And, and it's refreshing sometimes to get a personal note from a person or even from an organization. And some have uh, made a concerted effort uh, to make their mailings seem to be kind of a one of a kind. It looks like it's just to you and, and you get that. And today it's really difficult to, to tell what's personal correspondence and what's mass mailing. Sometimes it may seem the same with Scripture. While many preachers apply passages of Israel to America, I can say with all, uh, without, without any doubt this morning, this verse really does apply to America. In fact, it's a blanket statement to all nations who will put their trust and faith in God. What would God say to us as a nation today if he could audibly speak to us before this upcoming election? What would God want us to hear? What would God want us to know? I will say this, that he wouldn't be like most preachers today who are silent about what's going on. I know he's a God of love and I know he's a God uh, that's merciful and he's a God that's just. But can I just say, listen, he's a God that has also set up some requirements for you and I to follow. Because when we are allowed to do what we want to do, we follow sin and sin always leads to destruction. But God says when we follow His righteousness and we follow His Word, we find that there is hope and joy and peace. We find that there is help in the troubled times. And so what would God say? I believe He would remind us 
of this great verse right here that we've read this morning, righteousness exalted the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. The truth is still uh, good for us today. It still holds truth for us today. This verse is still important for us to understand today. History is littered with echoes of failed nations. Nineveh, the Egyptian dynasty, Greece, the Roman Empire, on and on we could go. And I would say this morning today, the United States is proof text of this verse. We see first off here the righteousness of a nation. He starts out this verse with the word righteousness. The first word of this verse, righteousness, by the way, it's a word that's seldom uttered outside of conservative churches today. It's one that we don't hear politicians speak about. They don't use the word righteousness. We don't hear it talked about on the nightly news, this word righteousness. But God's word says righteousness is important. And we look here, we notice there's three implications of the word righteousness. We see it implies sovereignty. If there is such a thing as righteousness, then someone sovereign must determine what that is. Humankind, listen, will never be able to agree what righteousness is. We have all kinds of terms and all kinds of ideas. I've met people in prison who've murdered people who said, I'm really not a bad person. And so when we began to set the standard, the moral standard, humanly speaking, we'll never come to an agreement. But I'm glad God gave us a guidebook. God gave us some guidelines of what righteousness is. God is the authority of righteousness. He says in Psalm 71 19, the righteousness also O God is very high who has done great things. O God who is like unto you. In Psalms 98 2, the Lord has made known his salvation, his righteousness has he openly showed in the sight of the heathen. God says I'll show you what righteousness is. Now can I just help us with something this morning? Listen, you and I need to understand that what pleases God is when we live a righteous life. You say, preacher, listen, I, 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 I know, but, but I'm human and I mess up. Yes, we do. We fall short. That's why I'm glad God is a forgiving God. And we can go to him and we can find forgiveness and we can renew our fellowship with him. But can I say this morning, God wants us to be a righteous and a holy people. We see it implies a standard. Society today does not want a standard. They don't want to acknowledge that there is a standard that exists. Listen, if we can be our own gods, we make our own standard of how we should live our lives. I mean, after all, you know, I, I, I've come to the conclusion that anybody that drives a Chevy must not be right with God. How did I come to that conclusion? Because I drive a Ford. Now, why do I drive a Ford? Is it because I think it's the greatest vehicle on earth? No, it's because they offer me 0% interest uh, on my financing, and I went with it, amen? <laughs> I told my wife the other day, by the way, never judge a book by its cover. I, I was walking out of a little restaurant, and there was a couple, a, a little couple that walked down from me. They were the most redneck couple I've ever seen, and this wasn't an overly fancy restaurant, but it was kind of a little bit nicer restaurant. I was meeting somebody that asked to, to come and meet with them there, and it's a pretty nice little place. And, and I see them walk out and the guy, I mean, he just didn't look like he belonged there. He's in camo shoes. He's in a camo shirt. He's got some jeans that didn't look like they quite fit right, but he had a Ferrari hat on. And I said, well, bless his heart. That guy can afford a Ferrari hat. That's cute. And we walked out of the parking lot together. And as we walked out, he got into his Ferrari. <laughs> and I said, who is not dressed right for their vehicle? Amen. You can't judge a book by its cover. Listen, God has said, I've set a standard. I've showed you what is right and what is wrong. I've set up how you can know what is right. And the world says, we don't want a standard. It's the main reason the Word of God is oftentimes attacked and ridiculed by unbelievers. Psalms 119.40 says, Behold, I have longed after thy precepts. Quicken me in thy righteousness. God, help me to get grounded in the truth of your Word. 
Psalms 119.142, the righteousness is an everlasting righteousness and your law is the truth. Listen, at the founding of our nation, the Bible was held in high esteem. There are both direct and indirect quotations in correspondence of the Word of God and our founding fathers. Why? Because they knew that the Bible was important in establishing a nation. It implies a straightness. Our forefathers chose the righteousness of the Bible as a guiding light. That's why they looked to scriptures like Deuteronomy 4, 5 to help them shape the guidelines of our nation. We see the righteousness of a nation. But then we notice, secondly, the reward of a nation. He says righteousness exalts a nation. Who can doubt that America has been exalted as a nation? Boy, God is blessed. You know what? We are, we are like, we're like spoiled kids who've been raised by rich parents who don't understand and appreciate how much they've been given and how much they've been blessed. And oftentimes it's not until you go to another nation and you see the things that, listen, we just call normal daily stuff that we take for granted that is a struggle for them to enjoy. I mean, you think about the blessings we have. Uh, this morning, listen, when I went to my faucet and I turned the water on, I could put my cup underneath it. I could get that. I could drink that water, not having to worry about whether or not the water was pure. We're a blessed people. This morning, I didn't have to hope that through the night as it got a little cooler the last couple nights, I didn't have to hope that my electricity would survive long enough to get through the morning, that we'd have enough heat to get through the night. I didn't have to worry about those things. Listen, we're a blessed people. And God says that our righteousness will help us, reward us as being exalted as a nation. Some Americans like Nebuchadnezzar in the book of Daniel take the credit for such exaltation. They mentally uh, somehow think that, that they, they, they're the reason that we've been blessed as a nation. America has been exalted not because of people, but rather because of the churches that have carried out the Great Commission both at home and abroad. And because of people, listen, who do have goodness and personal holiness in their life. It's not because of one individual being a great person, but rather one individual carrying out the Great Commission of Jesus Christ. It's because of past obedience and humility we now enjoy a, a preeminent place on the world scene. Listen, uh, we're envied by the rest of the world. And oftentimes the reason people say they don't like us or they hate us is because they're jealous of what we have. They don't understand why do we have it so great as a nation. It's because God has blessed us. We examine the word exalt. We see a little closer here what it means to determine just what God is saying about this righteousness exalts a nation. The exalted nation is set apart. One of the meanings of the word exalt is to be lifted up or to be made high. The Bible teaches that God himself is exalted and that scripture is exalted and that Israel is exalted above all nations. But God's word also says that those nations that put God first would also be exalted. Now listen, I want you to catch this this morning. I don't care so much about whether a Democrat or Republican sits in office and hear me out now. I don't care about whether or not it's this guy or that guy or this person or that person as much as I care whether or not our nation, listen, is going to be a righteous nation. Why? So that we can enjoy the benefits that God brings. But hear me out, you better look at what they're saying they're going to do and you also better look at what they have done in the past. I, I think we should probably change the way we do politics. This is my own personal belief now, but I'm just going to throw this out. I think if after about three years you hadn't done anything very productive, get out. And I know I'm being generous. Some of y'all think it's five months. Amen. We'll give them three years. But the reality is, you know, there's some of them, they've been there 40 and 50 years, and I love how now they're promising to fix America, and yet they've never done anything to, in the past to fix America. 
Listen, I, I don't know about you, but I believe, if I understand correctly, I learned this in school, that when we, vo when we vote somebody into office, they now represent us. Yeah. Not themselves. And not their personal bank accounts. And not their personal interests. They represent us. Can I just say, listen, this is why you and I better know who's running. This is why we better know what they stand for. Somebody says, well, you know, there's just so much misinformation. Quit going to the national media for help. Some of y'all, listen, you are the world's greatest at Facebook posts. You can also Google stuff, and it takes some time, research, talk to people. But I promise you can find out what they believe, what they stand for. You can find out things. They'll try to hide it sometimes. I'm amazed. Listen, I am amazed at some of the people who are in office who've hidden some pretty big things. I'll give you an example. In California, if you're a legislator, you're supposed to live in your district. That makes sense, doesn't it? And yet there's a lady who's been in office for 30 plus years who lives 14 miles outside of her district. Why? Because her district is horrible. I, I'm not being unkind, but it's a mess. And yet that's okay. Why? Because people don't understand what's really going on. Righteousness exalts a nation. Oh, that we would understand this. Listen, the exalted nation is one that is safe. Another meaning of the word exalt is to raise high as an inaccessible fortress out of the reach of danger. He said in Psalms 32, 7, You're my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble and compass me about with songs of deliverance. All that we would want God to deliver us as a nation and to protect us and to keep us safe. Listen, I know how you feel because you feel the same way I do. On 9-11 when we were attacked, man, we felt vulnerable. We felt like we were maybe in great danger. And for a moment or two on that particular day, our hearts sunk as we thought we might be in trouble. And what did we do? We began to bow as a nation and pray, God, please protect us. Why? Because we want God to, uh, to protect us. We want God to deliver us. It's funny how many people who, who claim to be atheists, when all of a sudden they find out they have cancer, they find out their child is in trouble, they begin to ask God for help. As a nation on 9-11, for a little while, it didn't last real long, but for a little while, we all turned as a nation to God for help. All that we would get back to that place. Listen, before this next election, we as a nation would come back and say, God, please help us. Why? Because righteousness, listen, it exalts a nation. Many nations have been destroyed by their enemies or by God Himself through natural disasters, plagues, pestilence, wars, and unbelief have destroyed many countries. Listen, our nation is not exempt if we're not careful, listen, America has been blessed and it's a testament of God's protection and preservation. But we notice here the exalted nation can be a strong nation. Another part of the meaning of the word exalt is to triumph over enemies. Now, I hope this morning every one of you wants to see America blessed. I know this will shock you, but there are people even living here in our country who don't want to see us be blessed as the nation that we know. They want to see us destroyed. Why? I think part of it is because of the fact that they don't know a saving God. They don't understand the importance. Listen, let me just throw this out real quick. America for the last 200 years has sent more missionaries around the world than any other nation. I want you to catch this. America, though we have our faults and we have a lot of problems, I preached this back about seven months ago. If you look at the, the giving of, of nonprofits from America, we by far exceed, exceed any other nation in helping people, not just here, but around the world. We help a lot of people with food and, and water and hunger and clothes and all those things. We are a blessed nation. Listen, if we are not continue to be blessed, it's going to have an effect on the rest of the world. Righteousness exalts a nation. 
But then we notice thirdly the revolt of a nation. He says, but sin. We now come to the depressing aspects of God's promise to any nation. As surely as righteousness exalts a nation, the Bible says sin destroys it. God says uh, so much in this very same verse. Today many people want kind of a buffet style of religion. They want to be able to pick and choose what they believe. And they go through the Bible and they say, ooh, that's a good verse. I can agree with that. Ooh, I don't know about that verse. You know, we'll just move on. Hey, that's a pretty good verse right there. Uh, God, God will supply all my needs. I like that one. Of course, they don't ever read the rest of the chapter where it talks about how you live for God. And, and, and you begin to kind of pick and choose what you believe. Listen, uh, the Bible says says we better understand while righteousness exalts a nation, our sin will destroy our nation. They want God who is merciful and loving and kind. The God of, uh, uh, of Christianity who fulfills that desire, but the God of mercy and judgment, they don't want that God. People turn away from such a God. We see sin as an undisciplined aim here. To sin means to miss the mark as an archer would miss his target. In Psalms 2 verse 1 it says, Help Lord for the godly man ceases, uh, for the faithful fell from among the children of men. Sin is an unwise assurance. Oftentimes we get to living in our sin and we think that everything is okay and we're after all doing pretty good and the Bible says be sure your sins will find you out and we'll go for a little while and say you know what we're doing pretty good and by the way this is kind of what we've been doing as a nation. We slowly began to move God out. We kicked Him out of our schools and we began to try to remove uh, some of the presence of God in our public buildings and in our, in our courthouses and stuff and we, we try to remove God and, and now I don't know if you've noticed this because the Ten Commandments and a lot of these scriptures are still still on a lot of our monuments. Now they're trying to remove monuments. And listen, just understand this. It starts with one, but pretty soon it'll be all. Let's get, uh, let's get all monuments that offend anybody. And I'm telling you, there's a lot of people offended by those that bear the name of God and Christ and Creator on them. And if we can remove God from these things, we can change the prospect of what we are as a nation. Listen, and if we're not careful, we'll get this attitude. Well, you know, we've removed God and we're still here. Sin becomes an unwise assurance that we think we're going to be okay. Sin's an unregretful, uh, ungrateful action. The final meaning of sin is an outright transgression and a rebellion. Listen, just asking this question this morning, what America are you hoping for? You understand, listen, that we're really in a battle this morning. And the battle is not with, with President Trump and the battle's not with Joe Biden. Really, we're in a, a much bigger battle than that. We're warring in a spiritual warfare this morning. We're not fighting against flesh and blood, but we're fighting against principalities and powers of darkness of rulers, uh, listen, of this world. And all oh, that we better understand, you and I must have the armor of God if we're going to be able to withstand this battle we're in. We better have the wisdom of God and the mind of God as we begin to understand that sin is a reproach. And we notice this very important truth as we see the revolt of a nation, we see the reproach of a nation. Lastly here. One definition of reproach is to be brought low, to go from the heights to the depths. In Nehemiah 1.3 he reported the remnant that are left of the, capacity, of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Israel's sin had caused them to go into captivity. And now their capital city stood in ruins. They watched as their beloved capital city was destroyed. Why? Because of the reproach of their sin. You and I have got to get this. We've got to understand this this morning. Listen, we can't keep as a nation dwelling and living in our sin and think God is not going to righteously judge us. Sin is a reproach to any nation. 
Another definition of reproach is to be ridiculed, to rail, or to revile. In 1 Samuel 17, 26, young David says, What shall be done to the man that killeth the Philistine, and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine, that he should defy the armies of the living God? Israel was powerless in the face of Goliath and the Philistines. Certainly they were ridiculed and reviled by their inability. Goliath mocked the army of Israel and the whole nation. He began to make fun and mock. Listen, don't think that the same thing can't happen to us. People began to mock us. You know what is sad is just oftentimes when a nation will come out of communism and socialism and they'll begin to open up. I've seen this happen Back when I went to Russia in 92, and you've seen it happen in other countries as they open up for a little while, they begin to gravitate. They want the things that we enjoy as a nation. But oftentimes the things that they really want from us as a nation is they want our Coca-Cola, and they want our McDonald's, and they want our Elvis Presley rock and roll. They want all those things. But here's what's sad is oftentimes while we give them this impression of all these things of making us great, we fail to give them the real greatness of our nation. That's God. When we went to Russia in 92 and we began to just go around there, one of the things that was awesome is to see how hungry these people were for the things of God. And we would go out, sometimes we would get back to our hotel after doing meetings and services. We'd get back at 1130 and my dad and two of my uncles that were with us, we would go out there and we would each carry a box of Bibles in both hands, what we could carry. We'd go out on the street and at midnight we would just begin to yell free Bible in the Russian language and people would slam on their brakes and they would run out of their cars and people would come from out of buildings wanting to get a Bible. Why? Because they weren't allowed to have one. And they were overwhelmed at the joy of having God's Word. And you and I have been blessed as a nation and we better be careful to think we can survive as a nation if we continue to folly in our sins. You and I as God's people better stand up and say enough is enough. We've got to stand on the principles of God's Word. Israel was powerless our culture is in the process of doing what Israel did. Our defeat has not come at the hands of a foreign invader, but rather it's come at our own hands. The silent majority that we heard spoken about years ago, listen, splintered into competing special interests and, and politicians pit one group against another and they've divided us just as the city of Ai was a little speck on the map for the Israeli army after they had won the great victory at Jericho. This would just be a quick, uh, easy battle. They, this would be a training exercise. It would not be much at all. They would wipe out this little city. However, because there was sin in the camp. The Bible says that they lost what should have been an easy victory. They lost this victory. Why? Because of a man, listen, named Achan, who was hoarding what God said not to keep. And can I say, listen, if we, if we get destroyed as a nation, it will not be because of the world. The world acts like the world. But rather, I believe it will be because of, quote, unquote, God's children, listen, who've allowed the sin of gold and lust and all the things that we want of this present world more than we do God. That will be the reason that we'll be destroyed as a nation. We said, God, I'd rather have stuff than you. God, I'd, I'd, rather, I'd rather have possessions than you. God, I'd rather have a little comfort in this life than to have the, the blessings of knowing that I served you with all that I could. America has been great because of God, but if we fail, it will be because of our failure to honor God as the one true authority of this nation. Must we watch our beloved nation slip into the muck and the mire of destruction, because of sin that we've allowed to enter into our own lives. It's us as Christians, God's people, that must take a stand for what's right. We must not fear the wrath of man or 
the condemnation of sinners. You know this, they hated Jesus. Why? Because he stood for truth and righteousness. Therefore, if we stand for that, they're going to hate us. It's okay. We got to quit trying to please everybody and start pleasing him. There's a reason why when some of these quote unquote big time preachers get on TV, they don't actually say what they say they believe because they're more worried about impressing people than they are pleasing God. Here's, here's the reality this morning. God didn't put me in charge of who gets to go to heaven and who gets to go to hell. So I don't make up the rules. God's Word does. God didn't put me in charge of why some people who love God and who serve Him have to go through difficult times in this life and why some people, listen, who, who don't believe in God at all, why it seems like they get to enjoy the, the, the wonders of this life. But can I just say, listen, this is the only enjoyment they'll ever have. It, it's, it's just for a fleeting moment. I believe he would say if God was to come and speak to us right now, he would say righteousness. It exalted the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. What America are you looking for? I mean, it's really that simple. We can get divided over all kinds of things. You and I could talk about the economics and what we think we should do. You and I could talk about uh, uh, what we think in certain social issues. We've been working on a couple things uh, with the Labor Department last year, I got a call from the faith director, and he said, I need your help. Under the former administration, they had tried to change some things that were very unconstitutionally, but this was what it was. If you're a faith organization, if you're a church, if you're involved in, in any kind of religious uh, aspects, and you have any kind of involvement with the government, maybe you take a grant or you do something involving government, you can no longer say or, or put restrictions on who you hire. If a transgender wants to come work at your daycare, you have to hire them. In other words, your religious beliefs don't matter anymore. And he called me and said, I need some help. He said, I need 5,000 pastors and religious leaders to help me get this thing reversed. That's what it's going to take. And I said, let's do it. We were in New England when he called, and I said, let's do it. And we started working on that. And in about six weeks' time, we had all the names, and everybody signed up on that, and we began to work on it. And we've been getting that thing reversed. Matter of fact, a few months ago, they finally got that thing completely reversed on the books. So now we don't have to worry about that. Why? Because that is a reproach to God Himself. If God says it's not right, I can't allow it. And by the way, I'm not just picking on that. There's a lot of sins that the church has made acceptable, but God still says it's wrong. Now we've been working on this week, we've been working on uh, recently, they, they started having all the uh, uh, government uh, employees take this mandated uh, stereotyping of sex and race. And, and when you go through it, it's, it's kind of crazy because you go through it. And basically, if you're a white person or if you're from European descent, you're racist. Even though you might not be racist, you're racist. And you're told that until you actually don't complete it, until you really kind of come to the agreement that you've been a racist, but you won't be one anymore. Now, I don't mean this wrong. There are racist people out there of every color and from every, from every nation. But I believe a lot of us would say that we're not racist. And for somebody to force that we're racist is ungodly. But here's what's going on. They're trying to separate us. My dad was on the phone. He had to talk with the state health there in Arkansas. And he was on the phone and the lady came on and she said, now I need to ask you some questions. She said, what... Uh, what gender do you associate with? And he said, well, I already told you I'm a male. And she said, well, well, I just need to make sure. And he said, well, there's only male and female. She said, oh, no, no, there's a lot more than that. And he said, no, there's not. 
And finally, she went a little farther and she said, now, uh, I need to know uh, what your race is. And he said, you know, this is the problem that we have in our nation. Everywhere you turn, we have to label ourselves. How about you just put the human race? Our own government has created the reason that we have the division we have today. Why? Because that's what the devil wants to do. He wants to destroy. He wants to divide. He wants to tear us apart. Listen, if you and I come together, especially under the umbrella of God and His Word, we'll have a revival like never before, and the devil wants nothing to do with that. And so all the misinformation, all of the confusion that's going on, it has all been sparked by the devil himself. And what God is looking for is for His people to get back on their knees and say, God, here's the kind of America I'm looking for. I'm looking for one that pleases you. Truth. And by the way, our hope is not solely in man. Our hope is in God. Amen. And here's what I pray. God, would you give us a leader who would look to you for help? Amen. Mike Pompeo said one time in a meeting I was with, he said, our president is no Sunday school teacher, but he surrounds himself with a lot of them. And it's very true. I've been involved in politics for a long time, I don't know I've seen a president who's had more spiritual people involved at the White House. Somebody says, Preacher, do you think that he's saved? I can't answer that any more than I can answer if you're saved. I can only go by what you tell me. I don't understand all that's going on. I don't claim that our president's perfect. Here's what I do know. At the end of the day, when we go to vote, we go down that ballot of everybody we're voting for. I pray you'll pray the prayer that I pray. God, help each person that I vote for to be a person that seeks you and leads us back to righteousness as a nation. Sometimes we come to an election and there's really not a good choice. You say, well, I wish there was a third one. I heard my name got written in this week. Thank you for that. <laughs> I don't know why it is, but my name has been written in a lot by people who told me after the fact. They're like, yeah, let's put the preacher in. One of these days I'm going to end up in an office that I didn't ask for, and that'll be y'all's fault. <laughs> but here's the reality this morning. Listen, as we go to that place to vote, can I just throw this out? If you don't vote, don't complain. You didn't earn the right. But as we go to the, the voting box and we vote, may we pray, God, help us to be a nation that pleases you. God, help us to be a nation that returns to you. Let us pray for our land and resolve to do our best to make America one nation under God again. That righteousness may allow us to be exalted to a place where we can see the hand of God on us like never before. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, the reality is this morning is there is a force working against you. And that's the old enemy, the devil himself, who wants to destroy everything that's right, everything that's wholesome. That's why he's tried to destroy our families. He's tried to destroy our homes. He's tried to destroy even people's gender. He's tried to destroy literally everything that is good and right and wholesome. Even back in the very beginning of Genesis, you told Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply. And the devil has tried to destroy that by putting together couples of the same sex. He's tried to destroy the traditional home of a, a father and a mother, and I would even say that's not even the right term. It's a biblical, it's a biblical mandate from you on what a family is to look like. Is a man and a woman who not lives together, they don't shack up together, but rather they come together in marriage. And the Bible says when they do, they become one flesh. The enemy's trying to fight 
And it's not the world that's going to turn things around. It's not the world that's even going to recognize the problems, but rather it's God's people who will get serious enough to get off their backsides, get on their knees, spend some time praying for our nation. We say we're concerned, but I don't know if we really are. Because oftentimes our actions don't resemble the actions of somebody that's concerned. And Lord, while we need to warn other people, while we need to encourage other people, the greatest thing we can do is get on our knees and pray and fast and ask you to move like never before. And Lord, in these next few weeks, whoever is going to be our next president, Father, I pray that you would work in their heart and life. Lord, I pray that they would turn to you and they would ask you for wisdom. I've heard it said all my life, there's never a person too lost that you can't save. And there's never a person too far gone that you're not willing to use if they'll come to you. And so I pray for our leaders that are in all capacities around us. I pray that you would get a hold of them. God, do something for our nation. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to recognize the importance of turning away from our sin. We want to see you bless. Here's the invitation this morning.